how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Joshua Marston's first film, Maria Full of Grace, won the Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival. His second, The Forgiveness of Blood, won Best Screenplay at the Berlin International Film Festival. But his third, Complete Unknown, is perhaps the most ambitious yet. Written with Julian Shepard, the film stars Rachel Weisz and Michael Shannon. The film explores the life of Alice Manning, a woman with multiple identities and a remarkable past. In this interview, Marston talks about the idea for this unique character study, the underlying theme behind the film, and why screenwriters simply need to get out more. I came to screenwriting because I had been a still photographer and um, was taking a lot of doc documentary photographs and um, sort of man-on-the-street type stuff and found that I often was telling the story of the person whom I was photographing and, and talking as longer than it took someone to take in the photograph and that I wanted more narrative and more storytelling possibility. And so I was interested in moving into film. Um, and, you know, into writing that I wanted to make, not so much as a professional screenwriter for other people, but as, as more for myself. For, this, for the new film, Complete Unknown, it's a really unique character study. Where did this idea come from? It started from the intention to do something um, contained and low budget, and so we thought dinner party. Um, and we wanted to uh, write a character who was not who she presented herself to be. Those are sort of the two elements that we started with, and that led to the idea of a a guy in dinner party looking across the room and seeing someone that he thinks he recognizes from his past, but she's introduced to him by a different name and not acknowledging or giving any indication that she knows him. 
which led to the idea that she's changed her identity, which led to the idea that she's done it more than once. I mean, it it comes at a thematically it comes from the fact that I like many people have the fantasy, I think, of, you know, you, you pull out of your driveway every morning, you drive to the end of the block, turn left and go to work day after day after day, and have this fantasy that one day you just get to the end of the block and turn right and keep and keep going um, and take off, do something different, leave it all behind. Um, and, you know, that fantasy of going out into the world and, and having adventures and different experiences is to some degree what led me to getting into filmmaking. I use film as an excuse to go out into the world and 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 research different characters and, and different people's lives. Um, it's, so this movie is in some ways uh, the grandest extension of that, taking it literally. What, what would it be like instead of making movies about different people in different worlds actually become different people again and again and again? Because that's a fantasy I have, and I think it's a fantasy that people can, can relate to. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting psychology in the film. What other kind of research was involved? You know, there was basic research about the different professions that we have Rachel Lace's character doing, and then there was just a lot of psychological excavation of what makes her do what she does, what's her backstory, what's her motivation. Um, and then there was some research, you know, about what Michael Shannon's character does. But it's unlike my other movies, it's not a research-heavy film. You know, my first movies were all about going and doing a, a sort of ethnography, anthropology of, of these environments. This is more my co-writer and me sitting in a room and imagining and fantasizing and saying, what if? What were some of the cinematic influences for the film? Story-wise, some of the influences were uh, Agnes Barda's Vagabond, um, Catch Me If You Can. Um, so that was as much to understand what we didn't want to do as what we did want to do. We had a whole list, and I'm trying to remember now. But, uh, you know, um, oh, Philly Liar. Philly Liar was definitely another one. Mm-hmm. You meaning influences in terms of story and screenwriting, not in terms of filmmaking. Uh, either way, yeah, I know you as a writer and director, just like what kind of, I guess I guess story-wise, more so. Yeah. Yeah, story-wise, it would be those three. It would be the first three that I would come up with. And then there was an interesting documentary made by a guy named Jesse Moss, who's a friend of mine named Con Man, which is about a guy who changes identity repeatedly and ends up getting busted. Uh, as a viewer, there was a hint of um, Rachel Weiss's character, Penelope from Brothers Bloom. <laughs> Did you write these with specific characters, like specific actors in mind, these characters? I didn't write this group of people in mind, but but Rachel Weiss definitely came up very early on as a an actress who is very mysterious and whom the, ca- the camera loves. I mean, I, I knew that um, I needed someone who could do justice to the the mystery of who she is. Myst- mystery was. Um, Mystery was an interesting component in the structure of the screenplay. One of the things that was a challenge in the screenplay, aside from just being a two-hander and balancing the two characters, another 
an, another challenge was um, that it's from her point of view mm-hmm. for the beginning of the movie, and yet we don't, in order to make it mysterious, we don't really understand who she is or what she's doing right. for the first you know, 20 or 30 minutes. And so it creates an interesting challenge as far as getting the viewer to hook on to her and sympathize with her and be interested in her. So the, the movie is in some respects structured as an unfolding of who she is, which leads the, the viewer hopefully to become more and more invested and increasingly sympathetic and understanding who she is and what she's about. There are some moments of like visual contemplation within the film. Um, like one scene that comes to mind is Michael Shannon starts to speak on elevator, but then visually changes his mind and stops his sentence. Are these instances like that, are they written or are they developed on set? They're written. I mean, the one that you're talking about where he just repeat, he repeats a line, that's, that's, that wasn't written. But the moments of contemplation are definitely written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the moments of contemplation are important for us, the viewer, to have a sense of one-on-one connection to a private connection with the character that both enables us to get inside our head and also enables us to feel um, sort of a private personal investment or connection to them. Can you talk about um, some of your writing rituals, like when it's just you in the room, um, like what time of day and and things like that and time frame? Uh, Ideally, uh, I'll, I'll start first thing in the morning and... Um, I will I'll read the newspaper but not much more than that um, before sitting down at my desk and then I'll begin with uh, a half an hour um, journaling mm-hmm. and then a half an hour of um, automatic writing before I actually settle into the writing work is that like personal journaling just to kind of get your head, your mind clear? Yeah, exactly. Just to not be thinking about, you know, what I have to do later in the day. Right. What do you find to be the most difficult step in the writing process? I'd say the most difficult step in the writing process is writing. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 a less cute answer to that would would be after the first or second draft, when 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 the when the script is actually beginning to make sense, mm-hmm. uh, but you know that there's a beat missing or a scene that needs to be adjusted, and so you're trying to you're not as free to meander, and instead are trying to write a scene that fulfills a very specific function and and bridges two scenes that already exist. Uh, and so the the parameters are much more defined, and it's 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 often more of a uh, mathematical, logical challenge than a creative, free creative enterprise. So she had she basically had nine kind of character roles in this film. How did you go about to decide that you know the last one that we see would be kind of the research element the, with the frogs and everything? Uh, we wanted something that was there in New York, so would put her in proximity to Michael Shannon's character, 
but we also wanted something that was just outside of New York and far enough away that story-wise she could draw him away from his usual world and take him into a universe that he hasn't experienced before. Uh, so one of the things that we liked about the Fogs was that it's this whole other world of, uh, that is kind of right underneath his nose that he's never experienced before that they completely plunge into. Um, in your opinion, what makes a good story? Yeah, I you know, uh, strong character with a strong need in a very specific world. What would you define as if so she's kind of playing these nine roles as we mentioned before? Um, what is the underlying like like theme? Does she have a thread with each character she portrays, or is it she always Jenny with someone else's you know mask on kind of thing? How do you see her character? Well, there's not that not that you would necessarily know it. But for us, in the writing of it, we were conscious of creating a narrative from one life to the next. So there is a a through line in the sense that she starts off as a a free kind of hippie character in in Portland in response to her real life having been very structured as a piano prodigy. Mm -hmm. And then after she lived without structure, for too long and want something else, she ends up being a nurse, which is highly demanding and and challenging and has a lot of stakes to it. And after she's done that for a while, she moves on and becomes a magician's assistant, which is about being free and traveling to the other side of the world. Um, and so we we continued like that and 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 followed a logic of well, once she's done that, what, what would she crave next? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, on the one hand, her, it's, in, it's an interesting writing challenge because on the one hand, it would appear that she has all these separate lives that have no connection to one another, but the fact of the matter is she's the, the lives lead one into the next, and there's a larger macro story of her evolution, which brings her to Michael Shannon's doorstep because she has become lonely and alienated from this thing that she's been doing. There was, interestingly, there was a moment in the writing once we realized, you know, we, we sort of, we didn't come up with the conceit of her character all at once. You know, we started writing and we, we started writing this dinner party and we started writing this situation where, you know, a character has changed her identity and then, but she's done it multiple times. And as we began to really think about this concept, there was a moment where we got very excited by it because it was suddenly a much bigger idea than this little dinner party we had started with. Mm-hmm. And we contemplated scrapping the dinner party and, and, and coming up with a whole other movie that would in some way try to take advantage of the strange complexity of of her character, and we ended up back at the dinner party because for two reasons: one, because we found that actually emotionally, this night is in some respects the most climactic moment of her entire life. This is when she's 
really hit rock bottom and is reaching out to that trans character to save herself. And so in that respect, this is the most important moment in the entire narrative of her life's journey. The other reason why we came back to this dinner party and this, this story is because it was incredibly narratively challenging to find a through line and a story arc for a character whose life is by definition a series of narrative ruptures that she keeps wiping the slate clean and to the outside world anyway, starting completely fresh. And that was challenging. Um, and ultimately we decided that for a film, this made more sense, uh, but that for the larger story of who she is, that will lend itself better to uh, a television series, which we're now exploring. Cool. Very cool. Um, has anything changed over the years with your writing method? Like any, anything you do differently than you started with in the beginning or any advice you have for upcoming writers? I think, you know, I think the difficulty of attention is that my writing is best when I am the most consistent in my structure and my schedule, mm-hmm. but that also my writing is best when I am not at my desk and out in the world um, mm-hmm. having different experiences. Right. And so the challenge is balancing those two. Um, but so the the advice would be to, to for for writers to, to to do both, to find a way to have structure, but also to not cause that structure to mean that they never leave their house. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.